Welcome, sports fans, to the next great podcast surrounding the NFL. It's the latest catch. I'm Brent Labonte, the founder, and our partner with one of my great friends, Bryson Mercier. Today, we'll go over popular news, topics, headlines, and predictions for this upcoming week. Obviously, before we start, make sure to let other people know and continue to follow the process. Every listener matters. Now, we're going to get into the interview. Uh, North Dakota State running back Jalen Bussey joining us. Thank you so much for hopping on and talking some football with us. So, Jalen, to begin here, we're going to ask you some questions. With that being said, how did it feel to be a part of another North Dakota State team that won another FCS championship? Uh, it feels good. You know, um, all the hard work that goes into it. You know, we starting up early summer, grind all summer long, and then to see it start paying out throughout the year, you think you have a chance, and then it's, you get to playoffs, it's make it to the championship and win another one. It feels great. All right, so you put together a solid sophomore season and was a key contributor contributor to your team's success. Uh, but unfortunately, you had a foot injury in the quarterfinals. Um, so how are you feeling? Um, what's recovery looking like? Injury came second round against uh, ETSU. Uh, tore a ligament in my foot. Um, you know, it's a seven-month recovery. Um, I'm coming up on surgery. Are you going to be able to play next year or? You know, probably this summer I'm going to miss spring ball, but, yeah, should be back. That's good to hear. So, now before we're going to talk a little bit more about your college career, we're going to take it back to high school. You were a two-year starter at Tampa Catholic as you played both wide receiver and running back. Looking back in those years, uh, what would you say was your best memory or moment? Uh, Yes, uh, best memory I'd probably say – was a game we went, we played out in, uh, we played, played Bishop Vero. It was my senior year. Uh, you know, I, I really hadn't been playing a lot because, you know, we blow teams out and, you know, there's no need for me to get hurt early in, in the year. So, but we go out to Bishop Vero is a long, like three hour bus ride and we had to stop to get food. So we stopped at like this truck station and like, I don't even know why I'm saying this. This isn't even a good memory. But uh, we get the halftime. I just run about – ran two back 50-yard touchdowns. And at that time, I was very poorly conditioned. But, uh, you know, we get the halftime. I'm the first one in there, and I'm, like, throwing up, you know, throwing up all that truck stop food we ate. But that was a fun game. It was a good blowout. But, yeah, it's probably my best memory with those. Speed definitely wasn't the concern when recruiting you, but – I'm sure some of the scouts questioned your abilities because of your size. Some websites say you're five five, others say you're five eight. How much proving wrong have you had to do so far? And because of that size, did it affect your recruiting process at all? Yes. So that I, I think that's probably the biggest thing, you know. Uh F FIU, you know, their main thing was we don't think you're big enough. We don't think you're gonna be able to survive uh, you know, a full college football season with the big boys and uh you know i also had a few talks with kirby smart at georgia and he was same concerns uh yeah you got great speed but the size and you know honestly i'm gonna go ahead and set all these uh these numbers six and a half make sure you get the half but uh <laughs> you know it's it's you just gotta however you see yourself like how you value yourself is what you're gonna put out on the field like and I feel like I run like I'm a six foot, two hundred twenty pound running back. 
because that's just what I believe. I don't believe there's anybody out there that's better than me that's going to hit me harder than I've ever been hit, you know? So you just going out there with no fear and believing in yourself. Yeah, I'm a, I'm also a pretty short person. I stand, I've got five foot four with shoes on. And I always tell people I'm not five, three and a half, I'm five, four. So you got to get that half in there when you're got to get the half. So um, let's talk about your uh, freshman season that was registered um, in 2019. Um, your first and only match of that, you came against Western Illinois, but that does not yep. mean you did not have a good game. Um, your first ever rushing attempt, 65-yard touchdown. Then a 50-yard yep. kick return, 45-yard run. I mean, that game was crazy for you, 123 yards, two touchdowns on only six carries. Um, can you talk a little bit about that game? And, I mean, what were your emotions like scoring your first and second touchdown, I guess? Yeah, so, you know, that game, it was something, uh, you know, the week before we were like, yeah, we're about to play Western. They're not very good. So, you know, me being a freshman, I was taking practice reps with the ones and also splitting them with the scout team. So, you know, I was being pulled back and forth each week. I was still dressing for games, but, like, I knew I wasn't going to play in games. And so, you know, just having that, seeing that Western was on the schedule, they weren't very good. I was like, oh, I have a chance to show. And, you know, I came in with another freshman running back, Kobe Johnson. He's uh, my roommate, my best bud, and, you know, we've been good. But he actually played before me. And so, you know, I was like, well, when I get my chance, I want to make sure that they, they, they see what I have to offer. And, you know, that's, that's exactly what the Illinois game was, that first carry touchdown. I mean, it couldn't have been any better the way it was blocked up. And then the good return – and then the back to another touchdown, you know, it just shows how blessed I am. And, uh, you know, I'm very thankful. What's mind-blowing about your performance that night was you ran for 20 yards of carry. That's just absolutely mind-blowing. Um, as your workload increased, though, you've also showed you've been a reliable running back that continues to make big plays. You're like a spark plug uh, for your football team. So, Jalen, what would you have to say the best part of your game is if you just had to pick one? Um. Uh... If I had to choose, you know, I'd probably say um, being elusive, you know, being able to make people miss. I feel like that's something that I pride myself on because, you know, I don't want to be taking big hits every game, you know, being a smaller guy. But, you know, um, just being able to get defenders off you and making people miss, I feel like that's something that I really took into uh, account, and I think I've made the best of that. So um, I'm sure you're always looking for some, you know, uh, way to increase your game and take it to the next level. And what's um, some parts of your game that you're looking to improve and get better at during this offseason um, after you do uh, get over your injury? Yeah, so something I, I definitely want to be working on is route running. Um, you know, being able to put me out in the slot position. Like, you know, I did play a little bit of high school receiver um, but, you know, being able to play in the slot, so running routes to where defense has to d defend me for running the ball and catching, so that. Yeah, a lot of running backs, that's probably what the, the next jump is for uh, being an elusive running back is being able to catch balls out of the backfield. Mm -hmm. um, so for the people that don't know, uh, North Dakota State is part of the FCS, and I'm sure there's some critics that downplay the competition, but let me tell you, um, Jalen, I was actually at that game, North Dakota State versus South Dakota State. I'm sure you don't want to bring it up, uh, but <laughs> I was uh, there on a recruiting visit because I am actually attending South Dakota State. So okay. uh, 
But I mean, I can tell firsthand FCS, FBS, it does not matter. Everybody on that field are a bunch of studs. Um, what, uh, where do you think your team would match up against some FBS programs? Like, do you think that you could beat some FBS programs? Cause I feel like critics downplay the FCS way too much. Yeah. You know, well, first off, you know, I'm sorry that you have to go to SDSU. Um, oh man. But I mean, I think the FCS level, if not, it's probably more competitive than the FBS. I know like you get the, the big five stars, the four stars, you know, that go to the FBS. But, you know, the FCS, we're a bunch of dudes who are trying to prove to those FBS programs that down looked on that looked down on us, you know, like, hey, this is what you missed out on. So I feel like it's a bunch of dogs running around the FCS. And, you know, we play uh, Arizona next year. So that's a big a big one. Um, I think we'll, we'll get the dub on that. You know, I was looking forward to playing Oregon in 2019, 2020. But, uh, you know, COVID messed that one up. That would have been a good game. I feel like our school, NDSU, can be a good amount of FBS schools. I would definitely believe so. You guys have proven, you know, year in, year out to be a dominant program. And to wrap things up here now, what are some advice you would give to a high school student looking to pursue an athletic career at the college level? Uh, some advice I give, you know, Stay true to yourself. Uh, you know, if you want something, put your mind to it. You can go do it. Um, you know, don't let the the doubters or anybody say something that goes against what you believe because in the end, it's you against everybody else. And who's going to win that? I hope, hope you do. You don't fall into what other people are going to say about you because I feel like that's what helps me and so many other people along the way. You know, everybody gets doubted in some way, shape, or form. And it's how you come out of that. So, you know, just stay true to yourself, believe in yourself, and everything will fall out into place. Thank you so much, Jalen, today. You gave us some awesome answers, you know, for you to kind of respond and uh, join us today. That means the world, man. Of course. Appreciate it. You know, I'm going to stay, stay up to date on the catch. You know, I'm looking forward to how this all goes. I'm a big fan of you guys now for sure. Awesome, man. Hey, you ever want to do this again? We are totally down, so we'll we'll keep in touch. You know, my lines are always open. I respond pretty quick, so yes, for sure. Sounds good, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And we started off with a bang for today's episode. That was an interview with North Dakota State running running back Jalen Bussey. Um, what a great interview. What a great dude uh, to have onto the show. Can't thank him enough. Uh, we're going to go straight into the next topic here. We're going to get started with our topics of the day. Uh I got, Brenty, I mean, you look at all these head coaching jobs that are open and are being filled right now. Um, the Bears, Matt Eberflus. Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett. Giants, Brian Dable. Raiders, Josh McDaniels. Vikings, Kevin O'Connell. Jaguars, Doug Peterson. Dolphins, Mike McDaniel. Texans, Lovey Smith. Saints, Dallas Allen. Dennis Allen. I got two questions for you. They're kind of the same thing, though. So what head coaching hired? do you think is the best and what do you think was the worst? Give me your thoughts here. So for the best hire, it was between two guys here and they're pretty even and they kind of come into the same situation. The first guy being Brian Dable of the Giants. He's my number one hire when it comes to ranking these coaches. There's a lot of guys to choose from. I'm pretty sure you said nine. And my other guy is Mike McDaniel who went to Miami. 
Now, both of these guys, like I said, going kind of the same situation. They both got young quarterbacks. Now, for McDaniel, he was from that Shanahan coaching tree. He coached with uh, Mike Shanahan out there in Washington, and they had that great uh, great coaching staff that year with Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, and I believe the McDaniel was the wide receivers coach. So you kind of add that brain now to a young Dolphins team that had just let go of their, their head coach, and now you get this young, brilliant uh, play caller, a guy who just seems like uh, an overall genius. I think that can help to his development and uh, get him playing kind of to his potential. And for Brian Dable, who came from Buffalo, you see what he's been able to do with Josh Allen, who has been playing on MVP caliber seasons these past couple of years. And he gets to now do this with Daniel Jones, who is his, is in year number four now. And this is the year where it's like his make or break. And it's kind of an experiment year too, so this could go very well for Daniel. It could go well in a way where he plays uh, to the way that the Giants thought he would when they drafted him. Or, you know, maybe it's Daniel Jones who throws the ball to the other team multiple times a game, which is very possible as well. But the reason New York brings him in, they saw what he was able to do with Josh Allen, and they're hoping he can do the same with DJ. Uh, they didn't just bring in Brian Dable. They brought in a couple other Buffalo guys to help him out. So we're going to have to see how this team looks, uh, not only this next year, but years to come. Yeah, I also like those uh, two uh, hires by the Giants and the Dolphins, but I also kind of like a sneaky development here, Doug Peterson to the Jaguars. I mean, I love that one. Um, He's a coach that's been around the league a little bit, um, knows how to win. Uh, He won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. Um, So, I mean, he's someone that could have success. I mean, that team might be a little subpar, though. Um, I love Mike McDaniel. I feel like, I mean, he kind of proves that you don't have to be an ex player to coach. Um, this dude's never played football in his life. I think I read, um, and he's just a football genius, just mastermind. Um, so he's a really cool person to follow. I'm not gonna lie. He gives me kind of nerd vibes when he does like interviews and stuff, but I mean, it's really cool to see because there's not a lot of people like that around the NFL where he's not really like the you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to hit him type of, you know, guy. He's just kind of like, uh, hey, this is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to outsmart every team. So that's kind of fun to see. Uh, another guy that I like, uh, Josh McDaniels, um, offense coordinator from the Patriots. Um, this is, you know, a couple years in now where he's been eligible for head coaching jobs, um, and he finally gets one with the Raiders. I feel like him and Derek Carr uh, will match pretty well um, out there in Vegas. Uh, the one hire that I do not like, Broncos and Nathaniel Hackett. Um, yeah, I mean, how much of that success was just because of Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay? We'll never know. I feel like they made that hiring just to try and get Aaron Rodgers to Denver. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah, and you left off right where I wanted to continue. I also believe Nathaniel Hackett was one of the worst hires. You know, he may not be the worst. Uh, that division is insane, so he's going to have to get a quarterback to keep them above, like, the 500 record mark where they've been at these past couple of years. And they get an offensive-minded head coach in Hackett. I do want to mention, LaFleur was actually calling the plays, not Nathaniel Hackett in Green Bay. And you also said, how much of of the success was because of Aaron Rodgers? Probably a lot. And they kind of banked, uh, kind of getting this guy 
so he could bring in Rodgers. And if they don't, this could really come to backfire on Denver, and it could really affect their future here because he may not even be the coach they thought he was. You look at the players that he uh, had coached in Green Bay, they really respect him as a guy, um, as his smarts involving the game. But like I said, Aaron Rodgers had a lot to do with his success, and same with Matt LaFleur's as of right now. So we're going to have to see if this guy's even the head coach uh, two to three years from now out there in Denver. All right, I've got a little bit of a debate session that I want to pull on you. I've heard you in school talking about how the Pro Bowl needs to be fixed. I've seen all over the internet that the Pro Bowl needs to be fixed, and I'm here to stand for the NFL, the No Fun League. Yes, I'm here to stand for it. I know you're going to contradict all these statements, but this is what we're here to talk about. I'm going to prove my case. This is the trial of a lifetime. This is the courtroom right here, and I'm proving my case. The Pro Bowl is not meant to be this hard-hitting, you know, 10-7 to football game, okay? Because if these defenses were able to go out and play their hearts out and not worry about getting players hurt, not worry about what's going to happen next season, am I going to get another contract? The defenses would be so good. The offenses would be so good. They just equal out, and I feel like it wouldn't be. It would be a fun game to watch, but like obviously, it's just not worth it in hindsight. Because, I mean, you look at all these players; they're supposed to be in the best of the league, and they're supposed to be celebrated. This is our way of celebrating those players that are at the top of the league at their position. Um, so, of course, these guys are making big bucks and are looking for contract extensions, new free agency extensions. What so be it, but it, I don't know. I feel like they're you got to take the Pro Bowl for what it's worth. And if you're watching the Pro Bowl expecting this hard-hitting uh, defensive game, I feel like you're in the wrong place. And you can't, you know, go in there expecting that and then, you know, watch that type of game where it's just no defense. Um, but if you're going into that game expecting, oh, you know, this is just going to be fun for them. They're supposed to go out there, have fun, um, you know, just have a good time. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of defense, not really going to be. I mean, honestly, I don't even think there was that much offense. It was kind of just the wide receivers running, you know, jog routes. But it was still fun to see all the players have fun. You saw the little less serious side of them. Um, so that's my take on it, Brent. I'm excited to hear what you got on this. How about we just get rid of it? That's my take. And I'm going to argue my point here, and, I, and I'm not going to disagree with what you're saying about these guys that are on contract years. I understand. They do not want to risk their future risk their entire careers just on a all-star game. You know, they don't want to get hurt and all of a sudden, you know, that doesn't land them the big bucks that they that they want to get in free agency. For for that part, I totally respect the players' views on that. Now, if you're not going to try and you're just going to play two-hand touch football, you're not going to play the real game the way it's meant to be played. You might as well not even suit up. Don't don't even play the game. Let's just put your name on a list and say you made the Pro Bowl. Maybe you can still do the competitions with the quarterbacks. You know, do how far you can throw it. You got some catching uh, competitions. That to me, you can still do that. Have the players have fun in their own way. But by playing this game, to me, it's just been more and more of an embarrassment to the league. And I did see it had like 6.9 million views, which has been uh, the least in like 20 years. So you can tell uh, the views have dropped on television. So is even I know the NFL came out and said that they're going to have it on as long as people are watching it. Well, 
with the numbers that we saw, is this it? I would not be surprised. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of this. Uh, you know, if you're not trying to go out there and tackle somebody, and you're not actually going to play the game as hard as you possibly can, I don't see the point of this. And for the NBA, which you had mentioned to me prior, you know, they're all star games in the middle of the year. And the NFL, it's at the end of the season. So they're looking already to get into the offseason, work out, and not be injured. So if you're, like, really focusing on not injuring yourself and possibly ruining the rest of your career, then then why in the world are you even going to compete in this at all? It sounds like they just want to just, you know, in my opinion, put your name on a list. There you go. You made, you made the Pro Bowl. All right. You guys are gonna have to be the judges on this one. Who who won the who won the court trial here? Who won the debate? Uh, so speaking of the Pro Bowl here, uh, the Packers uh, coaching staff was elected to, you know, represent the NFC. Uh, but they might have finally fixed their special teams problem. Uh, they hired Rich Bisaccia to be their new special teams coordinator. I think for Green Bay, this is a huge hiring because, to be honest with you. If we have a competent special teams, we're playing in the Super Bowl this weekend because we don't lose to the 49ers. We survive in advance. We learn from our mistakes, and we beat the Rams like we did in the regular season. In Lambeau, NFC Championship game, we beat them at home, and then we go to the Super Bowl. Um, That's my thoughts on that. I mean, I'm just saying our special teams cost us. Now, I know people are, you know, Aaron Rodgers should have scored more points. Well, it's tough to score points when your special teams takes all the momentum away from your team most of the time. So, I mean, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, the Packers should be excited. Uh, Rich Passaccia, stud, stud coach, um, and who knows? He'll probably only be there for a couple of years. He'll probably get a head coaching job somewhere else because of what he did um, in Vegas. But, yeah, I think that's a good hiring. I totally agree with you, and just because we're Packer fans here on the show, I know we have a lot of Packer topics, but you know that's what we like to talk about. Um, and for this hire, I think this was great. It honestly made my day. I mean, the I believe it was Maurice Drayton who was our special teams coordinator this past year, and the miscues that he had had. I mean, it was weekly. And I I, I saw this on Instagram, and this was back in middle of December when we played the Bears. And our special teams allowed a 97-yard punt return touchdown, a 34-yard punt return, a 42-yard and a 40-yard kick return, kickoff out of bounds, muff kickoff return, muff punt return, shank punt, failed onside kick return recovery. That's just all in one game. And let me tell you, we could not return punts to save our lives. It's not like we could return kicks. And uh, we have a great punter. But... He cannot kick in the cold to save his life. You got Crosby, who's the most inconsistent kicker in the league. I'm sure some of the players there do not help uh, Drayton's situation this past year, but I'm sure getting Basaccia in there is going to help out. He's going to get his guys that he wants, and if that's letting go of Crosby, legend in Green Bay, but I'm totally fine with it. I think he's a player's coach. Guys are going to like him. And for the 49ers game in the playoffs, the fact that we only had 10 guys on the field to block the last field goal. I mean, even if we had a chance, it's not going to happen with one last guy that's actually needed to, needed to play. I, I just think it was uh, time to fire him. LaFleur had come out and said he wasn't going to. All of a sudden, it kind of shocks everybody a little bit. 
Um, as Bryson said, I'm a huge fan of this. So we're going to have to see how long Basaccia can stay here in Green Bay without getting a new job. All right. I've got last topic of the day here. Um, so, Brenty, I'm going to ask you, the Reese's Senior Bowl just happened. Um, who are your five winners? Who are the five guys that, you know, increase their draft prospects? Now, I did not watch the Pro Bowl, but I did watch the Reese's Senior Bowl. And I got a lot of guys here that I was a big fan of, starting off with Malik Willis of Liberty. When Cohen King came on the show, he was kind of a fan of that Pittsburgh uh, drafting Malik Willis. Now, this guy, like all the quarterbacks in this event, they were up and down throughout the week, not only in the game, but during practice, I hear. But there's a strong buzz in NFL circles that indicates that this guy may be the first quarterback taken. He definitely has the highest ceiling, but the lowest floor. You can see the great things that he does. He's very uh, like a dual threat quarterback. And his physical upside is going to land him a first-round pick. We've seen that he may not be fully developed yet, but a couple of years under a veteran quarterback could get him in the right path. I think you know some of his traits, uh, they are polished already. So you have some things to work with there. And like I said, I think he was my number one uh, prospect here and maybe the number one quarterback being taken. My number two guy, which I got news from today, Kenny Pickett, quarterback from Pitt, who is my number one quarterback in this year's draft class. The Carolina Panthers, I guess, have been linked to him. They've been really uh, looking in on him, and they may draft Pickett with the sixth overall pick. Biggest storyline this week for him, though, was his hand size. He's a double-jointed thumb, so it makes it seem like his right hand is smaller than it actually is. So he never even measured it. So that was a cause of concern for some teams. He performed very, very well, though, in the game. Six for six passing, 89 yards, a touchdown. He did have an off-target uh, pass, though. And the guy who caught it is my number three uh, player here on this list. It's Christian Watson of North Dakota State, teammate of one of our guests today. Watson impressed many by his weigh-in measurement, six four, 211 pounds, uh, and, and for that size, he showed great great release off the ball, and uh, he looked far more developed than expected for an FCS receiver, and for coming from a school that loves to run run the ball, he just looked like he, he belonged there against a lot of those FBS talent, and our guy today, Jalen uh, Bussey, he mentioned that those guys that go to FCS schools, they are just as good as those you know, ranked teams in college football. Now, my number four, Damian Pierce, running back from Florida, 5'9", 220-pound uh, running back. He showcased a lot of great uh, traits during the Senior Bowl. It was crazy to think, Bryson, though, this guy had never had 17 touches in a game throughout his whole entire college career. He looked very assertive as a runner, and he was great in the pass game. You see his size there, so that probably helps. And he was sneaky good for a receiver. Watching his burst, his vision, breaking tackles, all of the above there. He looked like a big fish in a small pond rather than someone who averaged less than 100 touches in every single season throughout his four-year career in Gainesville. Number five, this is kind of my sneaky pick here. I kind of had to throw him in there. Travis Jones, Steve at the tackle of Connecticut. Uh, lastly, here's a guy who has a straight-up bully all week. Most players had no idea what to do with his power and tenacity, and it backed up 
his college film, which he's done his whole entire career as well. He's more of a day two pick, though, but he could crack his way into the top 60. And you look at some guys that are, like, very, very good that might may get drafted in the interior line that maybe you don't want to spend an early first rounder on. You can get the same exact value with a later pick here. All right. Now, this is sports, so every time there's a winner, there's got to be a loser somewhere. So I got the five losers here. Uh, my number one loser, Penn State wide receiver Jahan Dotson. Now, he didn't even play this weekend, and that's why he lost. Um, he opted out of the week, and he allowed other wide receivers to come up and impress some scouts behind him like the wide receiver from North Dakota State. And as I mentioned in that interview, I was at that game between North Dakota State and South Dakota State. Huge rivalry. But, I mean, he looked apart. I mean, he was a stud. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see where he can get drafted because I feel like he can make a difference. But back to Jahan Dotson, he didn't play. And I feel like that might have given some wide receivers the opportunity to jump up ahead of him. And he didn't really get to showcase just how much better he was than any other wide receivers. So that's interesting. Um, so another wide receiver. We're going to... This list is kind of full of wide receivers, to be honest with you, of the losers here. Um, Ole Miss wide receiver... Ontario Drummond. Um, he, I mean, inconsistent, and I mean, he didn't really get much separation uh, during the week. Um, I mean, he's definitely if he gets drafted high, he's going to be a development, uh, you know, a project. Um, yeah, so that's another loss. I mean, he just didn't look the part this weekend. Uh, and he wasn't able to show to scouts that he was consistent enough and had good hands, good enough hands to uh, play at the next level. Um, so Cincinnati wide receiver Alec Pierce is my number three. Um, I mean, he looked kind of like a small tight end out there, to be honest with you. Um, he isn't that quick. He moved like a tight end. I mean, he had some drops and... We didn't really see that during the season against Cincinnati, which leads you to believe, I mean, is that competition really that good that they're playing, and does that have something to do with it? Maybe, maybe not, but, I mean, yeah, he did not, like, boost his draft stock, that is for sure, this week. So now, we're going to get off the wide receiver train here. Number four, I've got offensive tackle Abraham Lucas out of Washington State. Now, nobody's heard of this dude, I'm guessing, but, I mean... He had a chance to prove that he, you know, could get drafted and that he would be a top draft pick. But, man, he was not good this weekend. Um, you know, as an offensive lineman, he was just, you know, he was getting exposed in pass blocking drills. Um, I mean, he does have nice athleticism, though. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, if he has the athleticism to play at the next level, that's always good for a tackle. Um, guys like Bakhtiari, David Bakhtiari, um, there's obviously a lot more tackles in the league that are really good. And all of them have one thing in common, and that they're big, but they're really athletic. Uh, so, I mean, he's got potential, uh, but just too many mediocre moments uh, over the weekend. All right, number five, and finally on my list, uh, Jojo Doman out of Nebraska, linebacker. So, he was probably one of the best players on Nebraska's roster this year. Um, I mean, he never really came off the field, but, I mean, he wasn't, his versatility that he showed at Nebraska wasn't really showed 
on the field this weekend. And he looked, he, his pass coverage was so, so he looked slow and he's undersized. And I mean, does he have a fit at the next level? I mean, it'll be let to find out, but it, I mean, those are my five losers of this weekend. So, I mean, obviously all these guys are probably going to get drafted during the senior bowl, which is an amazing moment for people that are seniors. Uh, but, I mean, like I said, it's sports, so there's winners and there's losers. So it's our job to highlight those. And some of these players probably got an invite to the Indy Combine, which the whole entire list was released sometime today. And me and Bryson, man, we watch, we watch the Combine, we watch the draft. All the days of the draft, it, it's a long process, but I'm going to sit through it. I absolutely love it. I love every second of the draft. It's seriously like a second Christmas. And Bryson can say it. It might be better than Christmas. I'm going to have to say it. Hot take of the day. Um, but today's episode was great. Upcoming episodes, we do have, possibly when the draft comes closer in April, a mock draft episode. We're going to say it now. So we're going to kind of shout it out a little bit so people get their people get their hype up a little bit. Me, Bryson, Uncle Josh, we're all going to pick teams to be a part of, and we're going to do a mock draft. Um, it's a big old 32 uh, pick first rounder, and hopefully that that'll be done maybe about a month, maybe a week before, maybe a night before. We're going to decide on that when the date gets closer. But like I said, be aware of when that episode comes out because it could be a good one. Yeah, for sure. But most importantly, we got to be be aware for the next episode. You know, you listen to this one, so you got to listen to the next one. Um, that one will come out on Friday, so we'll have some interesting topics, some stuff to you know, talk about. So make sure to give that one a listen. Uh, thanks for listening today. Uh, we'll catch you on Friday.